Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to Beats Research Radio, a podcast and YouTube channel dedicated to bringing our community closer to research in the science and engineering fields. My name is Andrea Corrales Malaga, and I'm joined with my colleagues, Steph Lafaro and Valeria Vasilieva. We are students from the TMM program at UOttawa, and we will be your hosts on today's special podcast episode on the Science Communication TMM 4950 course. Today, we are honored to be joined by Dr. Payal Arya. Dr. Arya is a postdoctoral fellow at Wesley College in Massachusetts, where she's a neuroscience researcher and project lead in the Gobes Laboratory, where their research focuses on the cognitive and neural mechanisms underlying animal behavior. Welcome, Dr. Arya, and thanks so much for being with here with us today. We're so happy to have you on Beats Research Radio. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to share my work with everyone. Using cellular and molecular techniques, pharmacological methods, live imaging, and behavioral testing, Dr. Ari and her team have been able to explain the neurological mechanisms behind song acquisition in the animal model of male zebra finches. To begin our conversation today, Dr. Aria, do you mind sharing with us some of the main research focuses and perhaps some of the projects ongoing in your laboratory? So the lab in general focuses on how birds learn songs from their father. These are Zebra finches, these are small vocal learners and they learn their song from their father. So they are a very good model system to understand how humans acquire language. So in general, the lab focuses in how they are acquiring songs when they're young or developing and the mechanisms that are involved in learning songs from like the plasticity or the in general, how the brain regions involved in learning these songs changes over time. So that's the main focus, that's the umbrella. But under that, you have different projects, like my main projects were to use MRI to understand what other brain regions are involved when they are learning a song, and not just one song, but multiple songs. Thank you for giving us that brief introduction into the work in your laboratory. So you mentioned that you're using male zebra finches to study these song learnings in birds. Could you elaborate maybe more on why these zebra finches are used as the primary animal model for your work and maybe how this compares to other animal models? Yeah, so vocal learning isn't common around different species. So there are very few species that are counted as vocal learners. They have vocalizations, but they aren't learned. For example, you have mice and rats, they have vocalizations, they have sonic vocalization, but they're innate. Like they don't need an adult to learn those vocalizations. If the mice young pup is removed from the mother, they'll still have those vocalizations. But in case of zebra finches, they have the innate ability to learn the song, but they need an adult to learn that song or their own song. Within zebra finches, we have a sexual dimorphism. So you have male zebra finches. The male zebra finch sing a lot and this song they learn from their father. As compared to female zebra finches, they don't sing back to the other animals, but they still learn it. But we count vocal learners only if they learn the song and are also able to produce the same song back. So compared to other animals or mice or other model systems that are routinely used in lab, Zebra finches are most commonly used for understanding language acquisition or song learning. And we try to understand if that can explain how humans learn languages. Very interesting. Thank you. So you mentioned that the males are used over the females because they can produce this song 
Is there any neurological differences that cause this behavioral differences in males vocalizing versus females not? There are different regions and they are organized in forms of nuclei. Both sides of the brain, left and right, have the same number of regions and exactly same patterns. There is structural similarity between left and right hemisphere. But males have certain regions which are defined as nuclei in their brain. As compared to females, these regions are reduced in size. So these different regions are either involved in song perception or they're involved in song production. Wow, that's so interesting. I think you already um, touched on this a little bit, but we wanted to dive deeper into one of your publications that was titled Bilateral Brain Activity in Auditory Regions is Necessary for Successful Vocal Learning in Songbirds, where you were able to investigate how the right and the left brain auditory regions contributed to the learning. So could you tell us maybe a little bit more about the research objective in this paper and some of the key findings on this paper, maybe when it comes to hemispheric asymmetry? The basis of the project was looking at auditory region. That auditory region is called NCM. Don't have to go into the name of the region, but let's just say auditory region that is involved in perception of songs. These birds have to hear themselves and also other birds in the community. And these are social animals. They live in groups. So they need to have a good song perception region as well in their brain. In juvenile birds, we decided to lesion this part in their brain and both left and right. And we wanted to know which hemisphere is more important when they are learning their song. When we did this experiment, the idea was that one of the regions could be more important because when they are adults, only left hemisphere is dominant when they are singing in song perception as well. We used a sodium ion channel blocker. It's a way to inactivate that region. During that period, we give them the tutor. So when we looked at their songs, there was no pattern. There was no periodicity in their songs. The duration of their syllables had changed in the left hemisphere. Their features were quite different than their adult song. Okay, that's fascinating. So you mentioned how usually it is the fathers that are teaching the juvenile birds their songs. So why in this study were the non-father tutors used as opposed to fathers? When you take like two or three animals from the same clutch, you only have one father. You cannot place that same father with all the birds at the same time because they are all being treated with inactivation at the same time. So that's one logistical reason. And also the other reason is that there's a genetic component that you want to remove. You want to control the auditory exposure that they get. Very cool to see that you took into consideration the genetic and the logistical aspects. As I understand in the paper, juvenile zebra finches were raised in isolation then injected with the inhibitor of neural activity in the left or the right brain regions before the tutoring session. The zebra finch songs at adulthood were then compared to the tutor song. So what kind of techniques or technologies were used to be able to measure the imitation or maybe the rhythm of these songs? So when we do these experiments, we can record these words continuously from the day they go into isolation and the tutoring session and post-tutoring session, their songs are continuously recorded. What we get is multiple thousands and thousands of renditions of their song. So we have a free software for analyzing these birds' songs. What it does is 
generates a frequency over time spectrogram of the songs. The frequencies on the y-axis and the x-axis is time. So you can generate that for all the songs. And then you can match how similar the syllables are between tutor and the tutee. It counts the spectral features of the song as well, which is the pitch of the song or the amplitude or the fundamental frequency. It takes into account all these features and then gives a measure. Each syllable has a specific place in the song and the duration between the syllables matters and it doesn't change as they become an adult. So what we look at is how rhythmicity or how the placement of each syllable changes over time. So when we compared these uh, TTS-infused birds, their rhythmicity was all over the place because there was no pattern. It doesn't matter if the birds were infused in the left or the right hemisphere, the rhythmicity wasn't what it should be for an adult song. There was a lot of things to consider in the comparison of those analysis. So I guess in summary, we've learned that many brain regions are involved in tutor song learning and song features as they can be encoded and processed asymmetrically with the left auditory brain playing more of an important role in tonality and pitch in the zebra finches. So how does this song learning compare to speech learning in humans? Does the hemispheric asymmetry play any important role in how humans learn how to vocalize maybe during infancy? In 85 to 90% of the population, you would see that the left side of the brain is involved in language perception and production. Why that asymmetry occurs, we don't know. But recent studies with younger children have been done. And these are MRI studies. You can take subjects who are between 4 to 13 years of age who can vocalize now. And they look at their brain, how left and right hemisphere is contributing in sentence processing or sentence generation compared to adults. So in those subjects, they saw that both left and right are equally involved when they are younger. And as they grow older and get better in their language, left hemisphere becomes more focused or more lateralized, or you, would, you can also say it's more dominant. So it's quite similar to what zebra finches, what we have seen in zebra finches as well. Like in this case as well, you need both left and right hemisphere when they are learning, but as they grow older, left hemisphere becomes more dominant. Wow. So that really brings into perspective the translational aspect of the research that you're doing. So I guess in your paper, you were able to conclude that the hemispheric asymmetry may be a result of the an evolutionary adaptation in species. So in just humans or birds that undergo vocal learning as hemispheric asymmetry may be able to improve the efficiency of processing to allow for successful vocalization. So could you maybe elaborate on how this hemispheric asymmetry can improve neural processing and the evolutionary advantage of that? It gives you an advantage in that way that one half of the brain or certain parts of the brain are more focused in one kind of activity, while the other half is focused on doing something else and simultaneously, and they can interact simultaneously. For language, it is known that left hemisphere is more dominant. It's not that the right hemisphere isn't needed, but you won't lose your language if your right hemisphere is damaged in any case. So it's, it's hard to study evolution in case of humans because it's never a direct translation. 
between animals and humans, but you see certain similarities when you study vocal learning in small animals. So it provides an option for us to survive in a social environment, which is quite complex. And we need more cognitive abilities to survive in this world. It's not as simple as going and hunting and foraging. There's our human society or human existence is more complex. So it gives you an option that one read, one part of your brain is more active in certain activities and the other part of the brain can do something else at the same time. Yeah, so it's interesting to see that those neural mechanisms, like you said, the right brain and left brain have different actions with what they can do to the body is similar in humans as it is in birds. To wrap up our discussion today, how would we be able to apply the knowledge that we've learned today going forward? One of the things that we are trying to understand is how humans can learn two languages at the same time. These birds may, they are designed to learn one language, one song in their lifetime, which is their father's song, but they are exposed to other sounds as well because they are social animals. We also use them as a moral system to understand bilingualism in the sense that you can expose these birds to two different tutors and once they're adults their songs have they have song syllables from both the tutors they may have one pattern at the end but they would have learned different features from different tutors it's been so insightful to learn today um, about the different parts of the brain that are involved in different auditory learnings in birds and then I guess and more broadly in humans. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Arya. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun talking about my research. Of course, it's been such an honor to learn from you today. Thank you. On behalf of our director, Dr. Emilio Alarcon, and the whole Beast Research Radio team, we thank you all for tuning in. Beats Radio is supported by the University of Ottawa Heart Institute the Beats Laboratory, and the Department of Biochemistry, Microbiology, and Immunology at the University of Ottawa. Don't forget to follow our Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube platforms to stay in the loop of our latest uploads. Wishing everyone good health and see you all next week.